You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey, friend, it is Angie Austin with The Good News. Beatrice Bruno, Drill Sergeant of Life, Jennifer Bishop, and producer Dave. Dave, why don't you give us the uh, lowdown on this Sesame Street good news story that we haven't gotten to yet this week, this so, past yeah, week. Yeah, so it was, it, this is super cool. So a few months ago, Sesame Street introduced a character, a little puppet character that has autism and it's been really making a big splash at first i was like i don't know about this but it's actually super cool and it's these kids are relating in a way to where uh they could never have done that before and they're teaching a lot of people that don't know that much about autism a lot of things and so um anyway one of the things that they just recently did is they added the little girl the little puppets they added her parents who are also dealing with her autism and trying to navigate the world in this very unique way. And it's really making these really cool connections. And in this particular clip, it's this lady who has two little, she's got a three and a five-year-old who both have autism. And they're connecting in a way that it was, it's just really, really incredible. And I think this is a really cool story that I should point out. What most families take for granted. Melissa Swales cheers. Her children, five-year-old Brooklyn and three-year-old Carter, have autism. Just like Julia on their favorite show, Sesame Street. Play, play, play! And like Carter and Brooklyn, Julia now has a family, too. Love my family. Julia. Were you surprised at all that Sesame Street gave Julia a family? I wouldn't say surprised, but I think it's great. I think it's really important because family really is how you're going to get through all of this. It's not an easy road, that's for sure. Sesame Street heard from lots of families after Julia's character was introduced and wanted to do more. Just as a child with autism may feel isolated alone, families can often feel the same. So this is also meant to show families what they have in common. Starfish hug. Because Julia has autism, she doesn't like big hugs. So we do a starfish hug instead. Melissa sees her daughter in Julia. Hopefully, she recognizes that she can work through it just like Julia does. A lesson about acceptance and understanding, not just for kids, but the whole family. I just thought that was super cool. And just for the record, a starfish hug is they kind of hold hands. Oh, they hold hands. Oh, okay. So instead of hugging and embracing each other, they kind of hold hands from a distance. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I'm so glad that in today's society, this is one area that we're really doing well with. Oh, I think so autism, too. Down syndrome and, yep. and all those different things. We're doing so good because back in the day they used to shun them. They used to oh, put people yeah. in asylums and stuff, you know, yep. and, and that's what they call them back then. Put them in an asylum. Yep. Yep, yep, you know, yep. So. I, I hope people, um, you know, if they are given that diagnosis for their unborn child, well, uh, get out there and, you know, reach out to someone at ARC, mm-hmm. like Lloyd Lewis, who is the president of ARC, who has a son. Uh, he's going to be with us, I think, um, later this month. He has a son with uh, Down syndrome. Reach out to someone that has a child with Down syndrome and uh, see if you can spend some time or a day with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we did a story uh, about a young man who ran a restaurant with his dad, mm-hmm. and the dad said, you know, so many uh, people have reached out to us because uh, local doctors have started sending uh, parents with unborn children, you know, pregnant mom, dad, Nick, to come and talk to us when they're told their child has Down syndrome so they can make an educated decision. And he said, as far as I know, not a single person has decided to terminate their pregnancy Amen. after meeting Amen. my son and spending yes. time with him yep. at their cafe. I, I had the wonderful opportunity to sit next to a gentleman 
um, on a flight, and we were talking about the, his daughter that was on in on the down uh, down had Down syndrome, and what a gift she has been to their family. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, just and it's the taught love. them and taught so many other people and and you know originally he said you know i don't know if god prepared me to take care of a special special needs child but she's actually taking care of him of course yeah Yeah. i I don't believe that god allows that for the person itself right i think god allows it for the people around that person Mm -hmm. to make us love more yes oh and uh, you know everyone that i've met with down it's like always the happiest like they're happy yes they really are yeah no i love it i love it i love it amen Mm. all right so we've got uh, some more good news stories it's kind of a good news day today starting off the week a little slower so what else do we have dave um, well, actually, I have Hugs Cafe right here, which is really cool. It's about a restaurant in Texas with uh, a yes. man who runs it with his Down syndrome, his son who Aww. has Down syndrome, and they hug, and that uh, it's really, really popular. So let's everything's ba- bigger in Texas. Right. <laughs> it's the lunch hour rush at Hugs Cafe in McKinney, Texas, and the orders are coming in fast. Guys, can I get a wedding cake cookie, please? Here, the food is served with a side of hope. It's a place of joy. You see these one. Accomplishing something that they've never been able to accomplish before. How are you? On the verge of retirement, Ruth Thompson had the same dream two nights in a row, opening a restaurant mostly staffed by people with special needs. But there was one problem. We had never started a business, never run a restaurant. That didn't stop Ruth. Her dream created jobs for 22 people including Kaylin Bradley, who has Down syndrome. How does working here at Hugs make you feel? Really good. How good? Really great. For many people with special needs, there are few opportunities for rewarding work. It has given Kaylin a sense of purpose, a sense of self-worth. And a chance to nurture her love of baking. One day, I went to open my own bakery. I would like to hire other people with with special needs. On this day, the line stretched out the door. Nicole Brooks often brings her son, Wyatt, who has Down syndrome. At Hugs, he sees people being valued by their community. And when he gets older, that's what we want for him. It's an idea this community has embraced, one sandwich at a time. No one has ever walked out of the doors in a bad mood. A restaurant that lives up to its name. So cool. I love it. So, and I don't know if you guys recently heard, there's this, uh, I, I want to say it was South Carolina. It's a pizza place, very similar to Hugs Cafe, where this guy started, and he has a, a, and a staff of special needs people. I guess somebody was complaining about it, so he put up a quote-unquote warning about how everyone's accepted there. It's actually a super cool story. I'll, maybe I can find it before the end of the segment. But it's this, this guy put up, and he's like, listen, Whatever problem you have, it's your problem. That's right. We're not changing Good. because of you and your bad attitude. So I really thought that was really cool. Well, you do, are you guys familiar with Jack's and Steamers? It's in Arvada. It's a, a restaurant. And they employ, I like how you always say it, Angie, um, differently, differently abled. abled yeah. But they talk about employing developmentally disabled adults. And it is so awesome. There's like several of that. Like you walk in, they're like, hi, <laughs> you know, and they'll, cool. they'll come sit at your table with you and talk. And they're just so sweet. And I just, I, you know, they really are trying hard. I think they were, um, 
um, had a big segment on Nine News or something like that, employing the most, probably not compared to ARC, but I don't know if ARC employs, right? They do employ. They employ over 300, 300. people who were differently abled. And when Lloyd started running the company over 10 years ago, they only had a handful. It was less than 10. Wow. And now they have over 300. They're one of the biggest employers of uh, differently abled people in Colorado, if yeah. not the biggest. I and think so. And I have to say, these uh, restaurants, that it's a magical place. No one does leave upset. That would be a cool goal for me to have, to have, um, you know, I think a good combo would be to have employees who are differently abled seniors and at-risk young people who've yeah. really had a tough Ooh. life, like a group of people who really need love yeah. and yeah. who can really give love. Yep. And to bring that group of people together would be really cool, you know? It's so cool, you know, with all these different missions in our, at our church at Flatirons. Um, Pastor Jim, he has a huge, huge mission of getting rid of uh, single mom, you know, these single moms not having opportunities. And then there's a whole huge prison ministry because he found out like over 80% of all people that are in prison have kids that go into prison too. It's huge, huge. And so wow. um, in one weekend, this is the power of Jesus. In one weekend, he asked for people to donate over $500,000 came in from that one weekend. And now we're starting a ministry at, um, Oh, I can't remember what prison, like down in Florence, where we're going to have church in the prison hmm. and we're going to bring in these people's wow. kids so they'll know, you know, and wow, awesome. yeah, isn't That's it? Awesome. I, yeah. yeah, it's just, Whoa. it's just so powerful. Like this is, you know, like you said, developmental or uh, differently abled. I love mm -hmm. that differently abled. Sorry, I worked in social services for years, so it's a pattern I want to change, mm -hmm. but differently abled or at risk or seniors having, to, I just, uh, I'm like, gosh, this is, this is the hand. That's the hands and feet of Christ. Amen. You know, I, um, I, 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 go ahead, Beatrice, because I've got another good news story I want to tell you guys about, but go ahead and finish. No, your... I was just saying that you're right. Um, the way we treat the seniors <sighs> and the differently able, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. You know, and if you treat them that way, don't think that you won't reap what you sow. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. You know, my sister's mm -hmm. disabled. She's the person in my family's closest in age to me. Uh, she's just uh, about 18 months younger than me. And uh, so I, we grew up together. We're, mm -hmm. you know, I love her with all of my heart. She's one of my best friends. And um, I saw people all over, you know, people treat her differently. And um, I mean, there are times you really do have to because she doesn't understand and she has mm -hmm. a hard time keeping up. And so you should, you need to slow down a little bit. But it's amazing how impatient people can get. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I, I, I'd never understood it. I'd never understood why you want to be that impatient or rude to somebody who has no idea or mm -hmm. no. They don't know that they're doing anything, you know, why, they're not annoying you on purpose. Well, my, when, my ex, when he was in a wheelchair, because he didn't look to say, like people, right. you know. Um, he, he didn't. It, right. But, you know, he needed to use a wheelchair before. And people would say the meanest things. Like, they called him, this one guy called him a tool. <laughs> I was just like, and so, you know, and we, we as Christians have a choice too. Yeah. So we can either come back with a sarcastic remark or we can say, you know, I know he doesn't look disabled, but he has ALS and, you know, um, you know, we take the wheelchair because, you know, he only has so much energy to walk so far and that's why, but so we, we made it a point to make it an education 
uh, to a person that was being rude. Well, obviously you don't know this. Right. And then we would, uh, you know, because. Yeah. And I, I, I could see you guys actually doing that to yep. um, make people better understand what's going on. Yep. I've got a good news story that, um, you know, we've talked a lot recently about kids and suicide. Oh, and Cherry yes. Creek High School and just and all know, these the Marines bullying. And, and, yep, oh, bullying. my yep. goodness. It's just so, yeah. And your son uh, was at, uh, he's a Marine and was working at a funeral for a 19-year-old Marine who committed suicide. And then there's been a lot of coverage, too, on, you know, bullying of these kids. And it's like, please, as Christian parents, make sure we're teaching our kids to be kind to others Amen. and not to be judging and making fun Amen. of kids. Well, I wanted to give you a good news uh, middle school story. And these middle schoolers uh, were uh, 12 of them. It's a boys' volleyball team in Fresno, California. And they'd been jogging through the streets for their training when they saw a woman climb over the edge of a bridge there in Fresno. And if she'd let go, she'd fallen about 100 feet down to the train tracks below. Mm. Uh, but the boys took action. I mean, here they are, just the age of my son, probably seventh graders. And they ran back to their coach and said, call 911. Uh, and that coach said, you know, go back, do everything in your power to keep her from jumping. And uh, the kids were started, they started chant, uh, chanting, stop, your life is worth it. Stop, your life is worth it. And they were doing a chant to her. Aww. And uh, upon hearing their compassionate chants and their pleas for her to, you know, get back, uh, after about 10 minutes, she climbed back over to uh, to safety and then the local news station did a story uh, Dave forgive me I don't have all your advanced techniques but here's one of the boys talking about the situation she was like like one hand and like foot feet hanging already they ran to tell their coach Elliot Murray they told me there was a lady trying to jump off the bridge all 12 of them screaming call 911 call 911 Murray saw the woman dangling from the bridge directly over the railroad tracks he called 911 and told the boys to go back and yell at the woman I immediately told the kids do everything you can chant say stop your life is worth it and they just kept on chanting we went up we were up there for like 10 minutes trying to distract her what were you saying to her we we're like stop and stuff like it's not worth it the woman managed to pull herself up to safety and police arrived uh, we contacted her uh, found out that she was actually trying to commit suicide and the officer placed her on a mental health evaluation hold for 72 hours to be evaluated by mental health workers the woman is identified only as a so with that said I um, feel like these kids, that's kind of a scary situation. And rather than just videotape it to put on YouTube, you know, that they actually stopped and got involved. Uh, There have been some stories lately where rather than people helping someone where they could legitimately have, you know, given assistance, they decided to get it on their, you know, camera phone. Right. There's Um, that movie or the TV show on Netflix, the paparazzi one, about the guys that they're like, they want to get tra- they want to get horrible things on camera so they won't go help anybody that's wow. horrible mm-hmm. like i said you reap what you sow mm-hmm. and it's going to come back to them yeah because we we need to be more compassionate with people that's why you know kids as young as 10 years old committing suicide because of bullying what's that about i don't know 10 year what does a a 10 year old child know about suicide well, the one, the local kid that was 9 or 10, he had come out to kids as gay at school. So with that said, parents, whatever you're teaching your kids at home, whatever you want to teach them, that is your prerogative, your choice, okay? But you also have to teach them that they do not then take information you're giving them or training them and bully other kids That's with right. that information. That's For right. instance, my daughter, this is a very small example, 
uh, we don't do we don't give anything up for Lent, and so we've never talked at home about giving something up for Lent. My husband grew up Catholic; he did, but it's not something that he does now. And some girls at school had given up something. One gave up cheese for Lent and chocolate, and so they were talking about it in front of Faith, and she said, "What's that?" And they said, "Well, you said you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, and if you don't know what Lent is, you don't love Jesus." So you know, make sure that you're teaching. Or the other neighbor kid that told my daughter, "I don't think you're a Christian because you don't act like a Christian." And so I know we're teaching our kids about our Christian faith, but please don't arm them with information to bully kids, to let them know that being kind to others means not making harsh judgments and statements to kids. I know some of these things are mistakes, but some of the recent gay bullying at schools, I really don't think Christian kids should be involved in gay bullying at school or bullying of any kind, and that don't arm your children with information for them to then terrorize others with. Yeah, I had a friend. Parents should be held responsible, by the way, Absolutely. if their kids are bullying yes. their kids at Absolutely. school. Yeah, I had a friend whose uh, dad was a pastor, and we're, not, we're no longer friends. I appreciate her relationship back then. But she used scripture as a weapon. And I'm just like, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be done. I'm just saying, I think you took that out of context. Yeah, and that's, that, mm-hmm. that comes across very, mm-hmm. very badly. It mm-hmm. looks bad on the parents that are mm-hmm. preachers and ministers and how their children use the scripture. And I hate to say it like that, but that's the truth because you, Jesus did not use scripture as a weapon Ever. against anyone. He Ever. just told it like it was, but it was not a weapon. He didn't beat people over the head, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we have got to stop doing that because as we go out in the world, those, those words, you know, they can, by your words, you shall be justified. And by your words, you shall be condemned. The words that you're saying to these people that may not think like you may not have the the same Christian ideology that you have, you know, they're still human beings. And Jesus would have ministered to them. He would have loved them. And we're supposed to love one another. Just as God loved us, we're supposed to love each other as we love ourselves. And so I guess that's saying something right there. Because mm-hmm. if you can't love your fellow man, maybe you don't love yourself, boo. I'm just saying. I- I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if it's hard for you to love somebody else, then you may need to look in the mirror at yourself and say, do I really love me? Mm-hmm. What What am I doing? Right. You know, you need to go back and, and, and rethink that thing because the, the word of God is true. And if you're not doing what the word of God says and you are a Christian and I'm not I'm not making a judgment on anything. This is all about you. And you go and look in the mirror and talk to the Lord yourself and say, wait a minute, Lord, is my walk? I do it all the time. Is my walk correct? Mm-hmm. Am I doing what you said for me to do? Am I being you know, obedient? am I being obedient? Am I living the Christian life? Can people look at me and follow me as I follow Christ? Am I following Christ? You know, and if you're not. Just be honest with yourself and get it right with God and say, Lord, I, I've, I've fallen off the track. Help Lord, me. Yeah, help me. <laughs> help me. You know, and Lord, help me to get back to where you want me to be and teach your children to really love. Okay, not just be vindictive and not be so self-righteous that they can't love folk the way they're supposed to be loved like Jesus loved. Teach your children to love because that's going to come back to you and it's going to come back to them if they don't. Think about your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Yep. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I uh, recently went to John Maxwell. Oh, I love John Maxwell. And he said, uh, live without pretending, love without depending, 
listen without defending and speak without offending. Amen. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Hey, AngieAustinRadio.com, if you want to partner with us, build your business, be uh, supported by the good news. Uh, We'd love to have sponsors for the show. And uh, Beatrice Bruno, Drill Sergeant of Life, give your website because she's going on the road to preach at uh, across the country at uh, different military bases, and she'll need Bibles, etc. Amen. DrillSergeantOfLife.com. DrillSergeantOfLife.com. And Jennifer Bishop and also Producer Dave, you're doing podcasts now. Do How do people reach out to you? So you can... You can go to Dkita Media, K I E T A Dkita Media at gmail.com and email me there, and we can go from there. Excellent, AngieAustinRadio.com. If you want to reach out to any of us, we'll be right back with the good news. The good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about our very special friends at The Art. And we have this month's Ambassador of the Month, Ilnez. Hi, Ilnez. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. We want to talk to you about what you like about The Art. So how long have you worked there? It's been almost four years. What's your favorite part about working there? The people, everybody who I work with, they're really amazing. Do you buy things from the Ark and take them home? Yes, I do. I actually buy teddy bears a lot. <laughs> when, when you say shopping with a purpose, what do you mean? It means that whatever you guys buy from us, it really helps us with individual disabilities. And so when you guys donating things to us, it really makes me happy. And now the Ark can come pick stuff up from your house. You don't need to go to the Ark. You can just have them come pick it up, right? You just can come, just come and pick it up from your house. There's a number that you can call that you can have that pick it up. 303-238-JANE. 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 Or visit them online at arcthrift.org. Thanks again, Ilnes. You're welcome. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. The Angie Austin and Michael Pelka show on a Monday has a special treat. One of our old friends is joining us today, Angie. Uh, I know you're happy that Billy Hallowell from uh, Faithwire and Pure Flix is back with us. At least pretend you are, please. No, I, I, I'm so excited because um, I saw that I hadn't talked to him in seven months. And I was like, I felt rejected and alone. And then... I realized he was on with us so that I, 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 you know, once he gets on with us, I won't say that. I'll just go, oh, I've missed you. And I won't say how rejected I felt. Well, that's good. Hello, Mr. Hallowell. <laughs> oh, hello, Billy. Hello. <laughs> hello. You know, how are you guys? Uh, we're good. And, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to lighten up the room a little bit because over the weekend, uh, the movie Unplanned was released it finished in the top five which is a remarkable thing considering how few theaters it was in 
And uh, I saw it Sunday afternoon, and I have to tell you two things. Number one, wow. And number two, thank you really for giving me a little bit of a heads up on the first 15 minutes of this movie. It is, um, it's shocking to say the least. It is. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those movies that really, you know, a lot, a lot of movies are just there to entertain you. And, you know, every once in a while there's a little message, you know, under the surface, but I think this is one of those movies that really forces you, no matter whether you're pro-life pro-choice to really think, deeply about what you saw and what abortion really is and that and that is and they do it in a way that i think is and this is a strange word to use but it's inviting because you you're watching characters develop you're seeing you know just the way that real life plays out for people and because it's someone's real life story and that person is abby johnson for those who don't know um abby worked at planned parenthood for eight years she was the director of a planned parenthood clinic down in texas and um, after those eight years, she saw something that changed everything for her. And, and what she saw is what the viewers see. And I think that and I've seen testimonials from people who are pro-choice or people who were sort of in the middle. And even the actress, Ashley Bratcher, was somebody who, um, before really getting involved with the movie, you know, was kind of just like middle of the road on the issue. And it really changed everything for her as well. And you can't imagine I, I know you will never take your children to see this. But I, I would believe some of your church group would want to see this together and talk about it. It's a powerful, powerful movie. And Billy, um, I was going to ask Angie if, if she had looked at the book. This is a true story, correct? It is. It is. This is. So Abby Johnson um, is just a phenomenal person. She's been around the block in the pro-life world. In fact, what's so crazy is... You know, she apparently at one point won Employee of the Year um, down in Texas, you know, for Planned Parenthood. And after she has this change of heart, has become one of the most well-known pro-life advocates in, in America, if not the world. She, I mean, talk about a paradigm shift. You're leading a Planned Parenthood clinic. You're the head of it. You're working there for almost a decade, flipping flipping the script and ending up becoming somebody who is not only a pro-life advocate, but now her personal story. And I have to tell you, as an aside, you know, I had her on the Pure Flix podcast a couple weeks back and she told me, you know, I said, what was the hardest part of having your life story be made into a movie? And she said that after she sat down and watched Unplanned with her husband for the first time, she turned to him and she's like, can we turn back and not do this? Because it forced her to kind of look at herself at the worst possible moment right at the worst possible time in her life when she was working at Planned Parenthood and excusing abortions I think she oversaw you know at, meaning she worked at Planned Parenthood at this particular clinic uh, I think it was 22,000 abortions that happened while she was there and so having to come to grips with the fact that she was the person in charge of that clinic working there when that many lives were ended now knowing what she knows really is a pretty incredible thing. But the cool thing, and she knows this, which is why she shared her story, is that you get a chance to really see how God can change somebody, right? How you can go from being at one place and totally change to now speaking up for the most vulnerable. So it's a pretty powerful story. So how much can you tell us about the story? So it's a book, uh, Mike says he was sobbing. And how much of you uh, of the story can you tell us without, I guess, you know, ruining the movie for everyone? Well, you know, I can tell you that you get a chance to see what it's like and, and what I really like about the movie. And, and let me tell you this is that 
you get a chance to see characters, and I mentioned this in the beginning, be developed. And so instead of presenting characters as these evil, you know, pro-choice people, you get a chance to see real people who are working at a clinic. You get a chance to see real people on the other side of the fence who, um, when I, and what I mean by that is protesters, who aren't all presented as being the, you know, the kind, loving people. You know, the reality is there are some people who show up and scream things at people at clinics. And so you just, I felt like you had a real sense of an attempt to really tell the story accurately and, and a realistic attempt. Uh, but you get a chance to see Abby Johnson's trajectory and what happened in her life both before and after she changed. She had this huge change of heart. And so it's really the lead actress, Ashley. Ashley is just phenomenal. Um, I talked to her the other day and I, and I shared this story with Mike and I wanted to share it again because I, if, you ha- if people haven't heard it who are listening, you know, Ashley got this role. She was cast in the film and she had like five hours notice to get on a plane and go film unplanned. And she called her mother and told her, I got this role. Um, and her mom broke down in tears and told her for the first time that she had actually, when she was pregnant with Ashley, had gone to a clinic and was going to have an abortion and changed her mind um, at, at the last minute. And so you have this insane story. And as she was telling me that she's tearing up because here she is portraying Abby Johnson, telling this story, and her life could have been ended, right? And you just see, and as a Christian, sort of looking at how God uses people's stories, that decision that her mother made for life, resulting now in this actress being the, the very person who's telling Abby Johnson's story to the rest of the world. I mean, you can't make that up. It's just a phenomenal, incredible story. So I'm probably not doing it justice, but that's the Reader's Digest version of that. And um, she's been talking about that. And, and if people want to look it up more, you can. But it's pretty powerful. Wow. And that, Mike, that's what that, that's the story that you said was so part of what was so touching to you. Yeah. And uh, this woman, she's a great actress. And a, lo- a lot of times in little films, uh, unless the uh, performers are friends of the director, you know, Hollywood A-listers are friends of the director, you won't get the best performers. This young lady is a fantastic actress, and I just hope that her choice to appear in this film doesn't get her shut down because the same weekend this movie comes out, you've got this Hollywood group that Billy knows about, Angie knows about it, who are gathering and threatening the state of Georgia that if the governor signs the heartbeat bill, they're going to pull all their business, uh, movie business, out of the state of Georgia. Yeah. And then and on top of that, you had the Twitter suspension. I don't know if you guys heard about this. The the unplanned Twitter account was suspended (gasps) and briefly on Twitter. And I think the explanation was that there was another account that was suspended because it was related to that account. I don't know. But it was put it was quickly the error was fixed. But what's sort of crazy is the film went from having about six thousand followers or eight thousand followers on Twitter to like 83,000 as of Sunday morning. And I hadn't, I haven't looked since Sunday morning, but, but it just exploded. It's like every attempt, or even if it's accidental attempt to restrict the film. And we know there's a lot of cable networks that won't allow the film to be, they haven't allowed the film to be advertised. Um, it just seems to actually propel the film more into the headlines. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, I think, and I would challenge anybody, somebody who's pro-choice, they're not sure where they stand to watch the film because it, you don't, 
you walk away feeling like, wow, I was presented with something and I was presented with somebody's story and it forces you to really think. Mm-hmm. It's easy in the, in the abortion debate to ignore the facts. It's easy to try to escape the facts and just say, well, this is what I think and that's that. But when you're presented with evidence, facts, and truth, you really have a responsibility and you feel compelled. And Mike, you could speak to this having seen it probably to try to discover exactly where you think you fall on let the me, issue. Let me say two quick things, guys. My aunt, um, she's very involved in pro-life and I, I, she has a walker now. And I'm like, why do you feel like you have to go to D.C. again this year? She goes, Angie, grandma admitted later in life that she tried to terminate the pregnancy with me and it didn't work. I'm very passionate about this. And then I was just in a big gathering with people I really love. And I was debating with um, someone that's like one of my favorite people in the whole world about abortion. I said, well, I will never vote to restrict your choice. I said, but it's not my thing. I'm not, I'm pro-life. And she said, well, I had an abortion. It was the best decision ever made. And I can't stop thinking about it because she doesn't have kids. And I thought, man, what a cool person that would have been. I, you know, and you understand the arguments that people make, you understand them. I think, you know, you have to get to this place in this debate. And this is what's challenging for people because, you know, the reality is if you get pregnant, it's your reality, having that baby taken care of it. But you have to, I think, rise above in this discussion to think about the moral implications of what's actually happening. And I do think that unplanned forces you to do that. And it's an effective way of making you think beyond your own experience, beyond the reality that you might. I mean, I could see women being pregnant, make, thinking about making that decision, seeing that film and changing their minds totally. That would not yeah. shock me at all. Yeah. I, it, it shouldn't. Uh, his name is Billy Hallowell. He's our buddy from Pure Flix. And he writes a lot in the faith world. You you know him, you love him. Well, you might accept him. We we kind of <laughs> accept him, and yeah. uh, we, we hope you'll be back soon, Billy. I I will be back soon, and thank you guys. I hope everybody runs out and and checks the movie out. I will. Hey, Angie Austin here, uh, Angie and Mike show. Joining me, Dr. Cheryl Lentz, the academic entrepreneur. And Cheryl, we often talk about developing a brand, and really that applies to us, too, in our work. And, you know, when I put things on Facebook, it always goes with my brand, and that is that I'm a mom and a news person, so I like to put positive things out there and develop my brand as a positive news person mom who's also a Christian. So those are kind of like my themes. But how on earth do you develop a brand? Well, this is very interesting because many people believe brand is the logo. Brand is what you see. And that isn't. It is. It's exactly what you say it is, is what do people say about you as the brand? And so I go to a lot of these conferences. I just got back from four and five and a half weeks and I like to go to business conferences. And I met somebody who is absolutely amazing. Uh, His name is Brian Smith. He's the founder of Ugg Boots, the billion dollar brand. And so who would know more about international brand? than this particular gentleman. And as a side, I'm so excited. He's agreed to write the forward for our next book that's coming up in August. So I am like over the moon because we're writing a book. Wow. on So yes, I mean, kind of nice hanging with billionaires, but here's what got my attention. And we've talked about this many times in this program is to think about what is the difference between that entrepreneur mindset, that business understanding, then others who typically work for someone else. And this book really got me thinking because Brian is wonderful to be able to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly, and all of the things that he had to do to get to where he is. And what got my attention is when he was looking about building his brand, it was all about 
two major things that he, even though he eventually, I would say about year eight, nine, 10, he started making millions of dollars. But the problem is he didn't get to keep it. And I always thought going, how is it that companies who are making millions of dollars can suddenly decide that they don't want the founder there? We we talked about this on your show, right? About Steve Forbes, Steve Jobs and the fact that his own company kicked him out and then hired him back. And this happened with Brian as well. And so his first piece of advice, he goes, you need to maintain control of your brand at all times. He goes, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how bad it gets. You got to have that 51% because just like you said in your opening statement, you need to control your values. You're a Christian mom. You're a, a, a mom who's raising kids and working. You have your brand for the radio show with you and Mike. It's really important that you're in control of that. And unfortunately in the business, in in the business world when we're looking for financing and capital and all those types of things we tend to compromise a little bit because we think the goal is to get the money out there and to get the brand out there and the challenge was as brian's like you know what no matter what it is you can't have your own company decide through shenanigans and backyard deals and all kinds of stuff that it's not going to stay with you. And that to me was the biggest aha moment. Because again, I used to think people are successful, the Steve Jobs and the Bryans, these are million and billion dollar brands. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul and they make millions of revenues, but they don't keep it. And that was my biggest aha moment going, wow, it just passes through their fingers until they understood about control and margin. And I thought for those who are entrepreneurs, for those who are building their brand, the idea of control, the idea of making sure that you're going to retain your company, you founded it. And yet how many companies have we heard about that have been founded and the founders are kicked to the wind and that always really brought it home to me going, how is that even possible? That is so wild. All right, let's talk about that birth of a brand. You mentioned uh, that this uh, this author, so impressed by him, uh, you know, when you met him at this uh, business conference that you go to so many of, I love those as well. And the UGG brand being one that is so well known. Uh, my daughter's got UGG boots, they're expensive. And uh, we bought them, actually, um, we, I lucked out and got them at a thrift store because they're like, many of them are over 200 bucks. Right. And it seems like, wow, how are you getting um, people to pay, pay 200 bucks for a pair of boots that are those, you know, fuzzy boots? They're like um, suede, and then they've got a little bit of lamb's wool that comes out of the top. And a lot of people wear them just as even shoes in the summer, even though they are a winter boot. So with that said, I'd be interested to know some of the tricks to developing that brand because UGG is known as quality and comfort, and it's kind of a brand, um, like a kind of a brand name that's known as high end per se for that type of boot. Correct. Well, the name of the book is called The Birth of a Brand, an unlikely startup story of the billion dollar brand, and this is of UGG boots. And what got my attention is many of us think that you start out with all of these orders, they start out with the organic boots on the ground, grassroots. His idea of going through starting this was going to the surfer. And you wouldn't consider the surfer deal with boots. Like you just said, these are intentionally winter boots brought from Australia, and yet they crossed through other markets. But the way 
Brian built his brand was boots in the ground and shaking hands and going to the people. And, and he even said, he goes, even when things get bad, the loyalty of the people, because they knew him by shaking his hand, they knew him by loyalty. They knew him about selling books from the back of the truck on the beach and the feature, you know, the, the folks before they were famous, right? He never forgot where he came from, even when he entered into the high end market, which is eventually, like you said, that's where um, Ugg Boots is, it's a premier brand, but that wasn't where it started. And there were some interesting interesting ways. That's why I adored the book is that a lot of people tend to gloss over the, the ugly. They like to keep on the good part of going. But Brian went into every horrible thing that happened. The people who tried to take the company away from him, the people who tried to compromise his copyright and the brand. And, and part of the, the story is the persistence and the no matter what happens is always being true to you and your values. Like what you have said on this program for, for years that I've worked with you is always being that authentic leader. And he always remembered, even when he got a little bit too big for his bridge, so to speak, and he went beyond where he went. He always went back to the people who helped him start in there and was the shaking of hands, looking at somebody in the eye and treating people the way they should be treated, even though business doesn't always work that way. Isn't that amazing? Business fundamentals. It's just different zeros that are different, but the fundamentals are still the fundamentals, Angie. Pops, right? Yeah, no kidding. And, and how nice to learn from the experts or people who've already made their mistakes per se. All right, Cheryl, your website? DrCherylLentz.com. Thank you, Cheryl. You betcha. to any of the YMCA of the Rockies locations to fill your days and nights with our exciting and educational programs and activities. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we put Christian principles into practice with our fun and informative programs, and our facilities are located in stunning environments that help build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. We also provide conferences of a religious and educational or recreational nature and we specialize in offering traditional summer camping experiences for boys and girls at the ymca of the rockies every season brings affordable fun and excitement for the entire family ymca of the rockies has locations near winter park rocky mountain national park and grand lake go to ymcaoftherockies.org whether you are looking for adventure a better way to connect with your family or just a relaxing stroll we can set you on your way that's ymca of the Rockies.org. Angie Austin here. Welcome back to the good news. Well, I've got good news for you. Habitat for Humanity. We've all heard of that and we uh, know that it's so important for families to not be spending so much money on their housing that they can't afford the things that they need in life. And uh, having grown up in a situation where we were definitely in a financial bind, we lived in Section 8 low-income housing for a portion of my childhood and we gave a third of what my mom made in a factory with four kids for our rent and I remember that it really did make a difference in our ability to buy clothes and buy food and books for school so it's such a passion of mine and I have volunteered with Habitat for Humanity when I worked for NBC in Los Angeles and it's such a wonderful uh, organization and we're talking about how home is the key to a better future and Habitat for Humanity is joining O Cedar to raise funds for affordable housing throughout the entire month of April so joining us is Allison Green. She's the director of Cause Marketing and Workplace Giving at Habitat for Humanity International. And Elaine Losey, she's the director of marketing at O Cedar. Welcome to both of you ladies. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
All right. So obviously I have a background where, you know, we struggled before I quote unquote made it. I'm using air quotes there. I don't know if I've made it yet, but you know what I mean. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, providing a home for my family has been such a passion for me. Uh, and this really makes such a difference in families' abilities to take care of their kids, et cetera, when they're not spending all their money on the house. So let's start off with them. What is the Home is Key campaign? Sure. So this is Allison with Habitat for Humanity International. And as you mentioned, we're seeing a rise in the number of families who are paying over half of their take-home pay toward their rent or mortgage. And we just feel like there's a tremendous need for more affordable housing solutions in every community across the country, as well as around the world. So our Home is the Key campaign is our spring effort focused on sounding the alarm and shining a spotlight on the work of Habitat for Humanity and our supporting partners as we're creating more affordable housing solutions in communities all across the country. And how long has Habitat been doing this? So this is our third year of this April spring initiative, um, and we're we're in a great groove in our third year. So lucky to have OCEDAR back with us again this spring, uh, supporting our work. All right. Now, in terms of OCEDAR, uh, Elaine Losey, Director of Marketing, how did OCEDAR get involved? Yeah, so OCEDAR has been involved with Habitat um, at the local level for years now, but as we participated in builds, we really found such a shared value with Habitat and that we both believe that clean and healthy homes is really the foundation for thriving families. So starting last year, we started to partner with Habitat on the Home is a Key campaign to help raise awareness about that need for, for uh, clean and healthy homes for families. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about how you're merging and working together for this campaign. Yeah, we actually have a number of OCEDAR volunteers on the build site with us. I'm actually calling in from the Habitat build site here in Atlanta. So we've got OCEDAR employees out building with us. Um, That's been so fun to engage with them um, on the build site. And then I'll let Elaine actually speak into the promotion that they're running that supports us um, in a number of their retail partners. Yeah, so um, over the course of the Home is a Key campaign and through June 15th, we're actually donating a dollar for every O-Cedar Pro Miss Max spray mop sold. Um, and then over the course of the year as well, we will have rotations um, within Lowe's where you can also purchase a Pro Miss Max and we'll be do- donating a dollar for every unit sold as well. So just a great opportunity for our uh, consumers to kind of join the cause um, along with the purchase of... Where can people uh, get more information about both of your organizations organizations and how to get involved and you know, more info about what you're doing. Sure. We're encouraging everyone to go to habitat.org slash home is the key. Again, it's habitat.org slash home is the key, and they can see various ways that you can get involved. Uh, we're accepting donations through our website. Um, you can find local opportunities to volunteer and donate to the local level, and you can see more information about our partnership with OCDR on our website. Wonderful. Well, Allison and Elaine, thanks for the wonderful work you're doing and uh, encourage people to go to the website and find out more. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.